And, you know, the reason we have the, uh, what is it, the disgust response is to, it's like to keep us from getting sick and, you know, stuff like that. Because, like, when you're disgusted by something, you're not going to eat it, you're not going to put it in your mouth, and then you, uh, you don't risk getting sick. But then we have all these weird disgust responses to things that, like, have no risk of getting us sick. And that's what, that's where we need to understand, like, okay... Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of those. <laughs> like, there are so many germs that you can eat and not be affected by because your stomach just kills it. But if it gets into your your under your skin or in your blood in a different way, it can pose, like, a real risk. And it's like... Oh, interesting. Should you care about one, you know? Not the... It's... Yeah, it is what it is. Like, the... Uh, the bacteria that causes most like skin problems, staph, uh, staph aureus, is commonly found in your nose, like all the time. But like if it gets huh. into wounds and infects the wounds, it's bad. But when it's in your nose, it's like it doesn't it doesn't pose any threat to anyone really. So is that like make sure you don't let your nose run on your wounds? No, it's just like sometimes you're. Uh, I mean, you probably should. That's kind of weird, so I would recommend avoiding that anyways. But... <laughs> just because it's, just... it's not dangerous, it's just weird. It's just pretty strange. We live in a time where the expectations for young people are pretty low. It seems like it's hard to be taken seriously when you're young, even in the church. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul says to let no one look down on you for being young, but to set an example for others instead. Well really no time like the present. So join me and my friends as we talk about what it means to be a young Christian today. My name's Alec, and this is Despised for Youth. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Don't Fight, Yo! The, the only podcast where we... Uh, um, we peacemake with uh, people who talk like rappers, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I feel like we've used don't fight before. I don't know. Am I wrong? Maybe. I, th- I think we might it's have. Like, oh, I feel like the biggest problem we run into is, like, we probably have reused those individual words, maybe all of them at some point, you know, don't fight right. and yo. I feel like we for sure used yo before. I just don't know what it would have been. Yeah. Actually, I think the bigger problem, the bigger thing we run into is uh, this just isn't that funny, but we do it anyways, you know? <laughs> That's not a problem. <laughs> That's not going to stop us. Yeah, it's at this point, we can't stop. So, And at this point, we certainly won't. So you might just want to click that little skip 30 seconds ahead whenever you start the podcast from now on. And there you go. You'll you'll get right past the part that you might hate, but... You know what um, that reminds me of? Um, act, like, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it was literally today, like, a few hours ago, um, I was listening to... Do you remember Scott Bradley? Like I do, the, yeah. Yeah, I was listening to, like, some of the ones that came out back in, you know, like, 2012 and 13, like, some of the early ones, you know? And one of them was the that rendition of We Can't Stop, mm-hmm. where it was, like, a... They do it like a Motown kind of style, but right. yeah, I was just like listening to them and thinking back like, oh yeah, high school and like, oh, yeah. and also just like music of the 2010s. It's like, I feel like we're now far away enough from it that you look back and you're like, huh, 
2010s, you know, like eight, nine, ten years ago. There's a definite, well, not really a style. I was just thinking about all the, the hits from back then, you know, like We Can't Stop and Wake Me Up and... Yeah, I, I get what you things mean. Things like that, you know, just brings back the, the high school feels, you know? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm glad to be past that. All that yeah, I mean, point. it wasn't like a great time or anything. Life. It just reminded me of high school. <laughs> I'm not really that nostalgic for high school. It wasn't that great. <laughs> just say you miss high school and we can... I'm a little on. nostalgic just about like the... No, I guess I'm just like, <laughs> the main thing I was thinking about is just like, oh yeah, pre-COVID, you know, that was nice, but that's like everything pre-2020, right. you know, so it doesn't even count. Yeah, exactly. I think I was just thinking like, ah, oh, back when all I had to worry about was school and working at Chick-fil-A, you know? <laughs> I don't miss working at Chick-fil-A either. I am, yeah, I am I don't so miss... past that. <laughs> I miss the people at the Chick-fil-A's I worked at. But, you know, obviously not the, the work itself. Yeah, I had some fun co-workers too. But uh, at the same you time, it's do. like co-workers come and go, you know? Yep. And then you're just friends with Facebook on with them for friends on Facebook. That was them. word salad right there. <laughs> okay. I, I switched out like two prepositions, okay? <laughs> I know. I'm just, <laughs> it's just really like, it felt like a carp you just pulled out of the water, like flopping around on the ground. I was like, oh gosh, is he going to be able to pull this together? Okay. I think okay. you did. Okay. <laughs> I corrected it. Friends on Facebook with them. When that's coming out of your mouth, it, it would be very easy to switch up the the on and the with okay see this is this is uh why our the thing we always say here on despise for youth is you you can't splice the infinitive or whatever it's called that's that's that's, that's one of our core <laughs> principles no that that's... no because friend friends on facebook with instead of friends with them on Facebook. that's not an infinitive though look kid and this in, is about splitting as close... the infinitive would be saying what would be an example of that it would be like isn't that where it's like technically to say to boldly go where no man has gone before? You know, it's like that's technically incorrect. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to yeah. say to go boldly. But that rule and several others in English are like, that's not a real rule. Like that's literally something that people made up like fairly recently. I think it, I th- you know what? This is not a grammar podcast. Let's just move on. Okay. I'm, but, I'm but convinced I, you know I, what you're I wanna saying. Make, no, I want to, I want to make a. A PSA about, not a PSA, I just want to comment. You know the rule that you're not supposed to end a sentence with a preposition? Yes. That, like, that's an example of a rule that it's like, that rule has only been around for, I don't know how long exactly, but it's like, you know, Old English or like Middle English, basically English all the way up until like people started to get snooty about studying english it's like you could do that that's fine you know so it's it's not a real rule it's just something people made up you can end sentences with prepositions if you want to well it's just like fashion like, like you can wear did, stripes and checkered patterns people just don't think it looks good but you know what no one's gonna stop you yeah i it's... think ending sentences with prepositions is fine especially if restructuring it would make you sound like a weirdo I you mean... know, like if you say, uh, now I have to come up with an example. Um, we should have just like, abandoned the, the grammar conversation. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> like if you say like, I need 
someone to go to the party with. That doesn't sound great, but it sounds a lot better than I need someone with which to go to the party. Or I guess it'd be with whom with to whom. go to the party. Okay, maybe that one does sound better. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, we shouldn't have gone down this road because I'm making myself sound like I have much stronger opinions about grammar than I actually do. Well, moving on. Uh, grammar Grant, that's what we call him. Moving on. Uh, Grant, before we can begin any serious theological conversation, uh, the people need to know, what is the flavor of the day? The flavor of the day is honey barbecue. Oh, okay. Okay, what, uh, I'm assuming we wouldn't be doing this for, like, frozen yogurt or ice cream. No, we, ne- but... we never said that this was about ice cream. I'm I just saying I'd, said... I, wouldn't, I wouldn't use this flavor on those products today. I mean, maybe someone would True. be interested in that. Well, there is kind of a craze of weird ice cream flavors. Yeah, I haven't because tried our lives any, are so empty. Them, that's though, how we just, live. Yeah, I haven't really tried any of the, especially you know, like I've seen a lot of those savory flavors. Like actually, just the other, the other day or the other week, I saw like a picture of some big ice cream company i don't not like a big big one but one of those like specialty ones that you would find in like whole foods or something they made an everything bagel ice cream what you know where it's like obviously there's like cream cheese but then there's you know like the everything seasoning in there and that just i don't think that sounds good (laughs) it's just too much yeah every time i hear the phrase savory flavors i always want to say savory flavories (laughs) savory cravery flavories yeah, it's just one of those things that rolls off the tongue so well. Like, there's so many of those phrases in uh, in medicine too. Like, whenever they say the pubic tubercle, I always want to call it the pubercle. <laughs> there's so many, there's so many industry terms that are just waiting to yeah. be waiting to be established. They like to use the phrase small molecules, which is obviously small molecules. <laughs> uh, I use that. You know, as we say in the industry joke, I think I've used it like so much at camp that like I've definitely had people like tell me like, oh, the other day someone said such and such. And I was like, or as we say in the industry, <laughs> that, like it's rubbing off on other people now, too. It's so great. I'm I'm happy that this joke is catching on. It's a, yeah, it's it's a worthwhile joke. Maybe one day it'll <laughs> be like widespread enough that it'll just be, you know, a thing. Probably not, but that'd be great. I noticed that uh, on one of my old YouTube videos, I say something and I'm like, Karen, and this was like a year before the whole Karen thing came out, and I feel like if anyone watched it now, they'd think I was just, yeah, they'd like, be, you know, they'd just like the roll their the eyes time. and be like, ah, oh, you know, just making the Karen joke, but yeah. I feel like I remember that, and like it was, it was the dogs one, I it th- was before, it was shortly before, like but it was definitely before like Karen really became a thing. It was, I remember I was editing the video the day before I went to my interview here at my medical school that I can't say on the air because I in no way represent the views or the community of the medical school and whatever, you know. You sure don't. I had to purge my social media of any connection to my school because you can get in trouble if you, because then you're technically representing, so... Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah. So, anyways, honey barbecue. So, Grant. Uh, Grant. Um, so, Grant, we, on this episode of the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about something that 
has been on my mind for a while. And, you know, as I am, uh, we're, we're both amateur theologians, of course, because, you know, everyone with a podcast is these days. And something that I've noticed as I've gotten older is I think it's fairly common to grow up in the church and not have a, a working, uh, like a working system for understanding the Bible where, uh, I think we, as people tend to learn stuff about a subject and we learn facts and we piece it together into like a collection of facts, but sometimes we don't always develop the underlying framework that those facts rely on. And, you know, if you're building a boat, you don't, you don't need to know anything about buoyancy. You don't need to know about physics and density of water and solids and stuff. All you need to know is that you got to put wood together without any holes. And that's like the facts. You don't need to understand the buoyancy to keep it afloat. But I think with theology, you do need to understand why the facts and the things uh, make sense and how you can be sure of those. And that's something that I think uh, we should talk about. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I say this like I didn't already tell you that this is what we're going to talk about, but... I mean, yeah, but, like, what you told me was a very brief description, so I I, I appreciate the explanation, you know? Anytime I record the podcast with other people, they always ask if I'm going to, like, send them an outline or anything, and I'm like, no, this is like, what you, you get one You don't line. know how this podcast works. <laughs> we wing it on this podcast. Honestly, though, I feel like that's what most podcasts do, at least the ones I listen to. Maybe not like good, you know, ones like the White Horse Inn or something, but like more like for fun podcasts or like amateur theology podcasts. It's like they wing it. Yeah, that's probably true. I would imagine that they know what they're going to talk about and then they they just wing yeah. it. Um. So you you mentioned that you might have a pretty good lead into this. I think so. Yeah. I mean, you can tell me how well you think it relates, but I think it at least somewhat relates. It was a few days ago that. I was, you know, scrolling through the Instagram, the Instantgram. Instantaneous and, uh, gram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another classic joke there. Um, <laughs> scrolling through, and my Instagram, like Facebook algorithm, you know, for all the for all the fears people have about them, you know, just like reading you and like targeting you with ads and stuff like that mine is just not very good at it like i don't think they know oh, what same. i want <laughs> you know like they think they know they don't know and evidence of that is i don't know if like any other guys can relate to this but it's like i swear you spend you like look for shorts one day you know when you're like making a christmas list or something and for the rest of your life instagram is like oh you like you like shorts right here's some here's a new brand you're the guy that collects also, shorts i believe there are so many brands of like guys sports shorts out there like that market is saturated i swear um but anyway that's not what this is about uh where i was going with this is they gave me you know one of those like oh we think you'd like this account posts that just shows up in your i feel like it just shows up in your feed now you know it's just like buried in the middle of people you actually follow which that's not great but that's also not where i'm going with this the <laughs> the account that was like suggested it was this guy who i obviously i'm not going to name him and like i don't even remember his name but i wouldn't if i did but he's a guy who described himself as um how did he put it i don't remember exactly how he put it but it was something to the effect of like an alternative theologian or like 
Oh, that sounds good. And he's bisexual and, like, some other things. But, like, the what I got from it, like, all of his posts were about, like, how he used to... Apparently he used to be, you know, uh, either, either, like, an evangelical Christian or something like that. But, like, over the years, you know... Like, I remember one post in particular where he used the language of... I got tired of, like trying to keep God in the box of Christianity when he kept trying to get out. And it was like, okay, like, I I see what you mean, man. Like, I see what your beliefs are. You know, basically the whole thing was he's like, oh, you know, I'm like, I want to know God. And, you know, like, I'm not necessarily, you know, like, I'm not necessarily a Christian, like maybe some of it, you know, but like, my thing is like, I want to know who God actually is. But the thing is, you know, it's like, as I look through all of his posts, like, there's very little actual facts presented about who God is and what there was. It was like, where are you getting that from? You know, obviously, I think he's one of those people who would say, you know, like, oh, like God doesn't, you know, obviously, I think he would say, like, God doesn't care about, you know, bisexuality or homosexuality. But it's like, okay, where are you getting that from? You know, the more I just like read, I didn't spend very long on this guy's profile because it made me sick, but like, (laughs) from what I read, like, all I could keep thinking was, like, okay, you're, like, saying that, you know, you don't buy that the Bible is, like, the word of God and, like, that that's inerrant and how we know who God is, but, like, you you seem to think you have a much better idea about God, like, through whatever you're, like, I was just wondering, like, where are you getting your theology from? You know, you call yourself a theologian, you have some ideas about God, although, like, it seemed that he was far less certain about who God was. You know, it's like, I feel like the the I don't knows would vastly outweigh the things he knows about God if he made a list of them. But it was just like, where are you getting this from? You know, I think anything mm-hmm. that he believed about God, it's like, you're just believing that because you feel like it sounds good, you know? Yeah, I, I was listening to I've been listening to a lot of the Babylon Bee podcast lately, and I don't even remember which episode, but one of the guests they had made some comment about, you always hear, uh, like, non-Christians saying, like, well, you know, I don't think, like, Jesus would approve of this or that, or I don't think he would do things like this. And it's like, you know, you seem to be really invested in, uh, like, the God that you don't believe in and, like, his take on things. And um, I always think it's funny when people people make the argument of like well you know it i don't think that would be very christ-like it's like well maybe you should see what we know about christ instead of you know what you imagine christ would be like and uh in in a sense in a sense we are all theologians we're just not all good ones yeah to me yeah that's what i was gonna say like to me it's like everyone has ideas about god and the you know even if it's like you think god doesn't exist that's an idea about god so everyone has Mm -hmm. ideas about god the question is like where do you get them from and how do you know they're true and with this guy i think like what bothered me so much you know it's like i think there's a lot of people out there who just haven't thought that in depth about religion maybe they do like have ideas about god but maybe they're just like not really aware of that but this is a guy who like is very aware of his own ideas about god And yet he's just like blatantly saying, oh, you know, things that Christianity says about God are not true. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, to me, it's it's almost like saying if I were thinking, sorry, let me say that again. It's almost to me as if I were to say, 
Oh, you know, I I feel like George Washington lived in, like, the 1400s. Like, that just seems right to me. And you're like, well, no, in the history books it says he didn't live at that time. And I were to just respond, oh, well, that just doesn't seem right to me. I know, like, that's what you've been taught and, like, that's what the history books claim. But, like, you know, my my feelings about who George Washington is, I'm not going to keep them confined to what history books tell me and not a perfect example and maybe not like a very yeah it's not a perfect example but you know you get where i'm going with that is just right why would you just base your ideas on god on what you feel and then go call yourself a theologian who's going to teach other people about who god is and what you're teaching them is just based on you know whatever you feel like should be true yeah that's crazy i think what you're talking about that issue that you're describing is uh, a problem that christians often have which is we allow the world to dictate how we view and and talk about god and i don't mean like the facts of who god is i i mean specifically we're allowing the world to make us talk about God as if he's not objectively true and as if he's some someone that uh you know we we don't actually have anything where we can know for certain whether he's you know here or there on on an issue and um we we need to not allow the the world to sway us into saying that like oh you know who can really know uh God who can really know truth and uh we can't we can't allow our our minds to be swayed in that way because as soon as we give up the idea of god being uh objective truth and that there are facts about god that we can know um we're gonna lose first of all we're gonna lose all credibility and then you know to use a very biblical example or a biblical phrase we basically lose our our saltiness because we've yielded what we know about God, we've yielded truth in the whole consideration. And so it's dangerous, not only just in our minds, but in, in our witness too, I think. And I'm starting to sound like one of those, like one of those podcasts, like we're allowing the world to tell us who, you know, who God is. And, um, I don't think I, I, I at the risk of sounding podcasts. like that. <laughs> yeah. I, I like what you said though, about it does kind of seem like it's kind of hard to, even put words to it or really like never mind i'll just say it's kind of hard to put words to it but i think what you said about the problem is that to many people the idea of who god is is not an objective thing anymore like a lot of people are treating it as like a very subjective thing that is to say you know god is you know he doesn't necessarily have a character of who he actually is like it's really just you know he might be something to you and something else to me and you know who's really to say like i can't call your your truth wrong like i think that's kind of the categories the world is operating with so the problem isn't just that like oh the world is mistaken about who god is the problem is that the world i think this has maybe always been a you know this has probably been around for as long as people have been around but if anything i think uh, it's worse now than ever. The problem is that the world doesn't think that there is an objective character of God. He's just, you know, whatever whatever you want him to be, or if you don't want him to be anything, that's fine too, you know? Right. And so what you're describing, this is the problem where you you distort what the facts you know about God are. So it's one thing to... Um, 
it's one thing to disagree on, you know, whether God is holy or just or, or loving um, or yeah, yeah, just like disagree on the character of God, but it, it, which I don't really think is as much of a problem, but I think we have a bigger problem when we we agree on these facts that we've come to understand about God, and then we use those to backwards, um, like, I'm trying, trying not to use the, or what's the term I'm looking for? We use, we use these ideas to like retroactively synthesize what we know about God. So we, we start with these things that we've heard all our life, like, oh, God is loving. And then we say, well, if God's love, you know, I don't think he would believe this about this. And like, I don't think God feels this way about, you know, in the example that you gave this uh, quote theologian. Oh, there's the bird clock. <laughs> this thing has really started to become a part of my life. Um, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. So we we say like, well, God's loving. So God wouldn't, you know, God wouldn't hate anyone. God probably saves everyone. And it's like, that's not, that's not right. Sure, you've built the boat, but you're not, doesn't mean you've got the physics right just because you have the boat, you know, back to my original killer analogy that I gave, the, that illustration mm, right in the beginning of a sermon. Yeah. And, Not to uh, completely derail this, but this <laughs> this happens a lot lately. This is like my favorite joke to make at church. Like our pastor will start, like he'll start the sermon, you know, you pray. And then he goes, when I was a kid, you know, I, I did. And, and then I'll always lean over the door. right into that story. <laughs> and like, as soon as he kind of concludes the story and it's like, and I learned that no matter, you know, like what I did, my father would still care about me. And I lean over to Tori and I go, gosh, I have no idea what he's going to do with this. <laughs> that's like my favorite joke to make it's only i get a kick out of it i think most of the time she's like shh quiet i think it's kind of funny and it, it's like kind of funny to me to imagine like what if we just kind of went through life like that like you know you're just like i'm just with my roommate like we're both in the kitchen i just turn to him and i'm like when i was a young boy <laughs> just launched into a story with no introduction <laughs> and then somehow land at the point like and conclude it with it counter. was at that moment that I realized, you know, if my dad was willing to sacrifice that much for me <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the boat. <laughs> okay, the boat. You need to know more to make a boat than just that it doesn't need to have holes, okay? <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that's the case, but uh, you know what? I've never made a boat. You're right. I should just back off of that. What have I made? um nope i haven't made a boat. you know what it's a boat deal with it um well here let me see if i can still turn your analogy into more fuel for the conversation here because you know i feel like it's one thing to for us to be like oh you know the world is like so bad at knowing who god is but you know it's definitely uh this problem is definitely creeping into the church and i think a good example of it was you maybe saw this post by this church that went semi-viral like i think the bad oh, one yeah i know exactly up, where you're going with this. yeah you probably know it's the one that it had like it was this graphic that had like two columns and you know it was like the bible what the bible is and what the bible isn't and you know they're basically yeah. they straight up said oh the bible's not the <laughs> word of god it's not inerrant you know it's a product of culture and so i think that's an you know and we're still kind of at the point where most Christians would look at that and say, that's wrong. Or at least, you know, I would say most Christians who 
think about these things ever. But mm-hmm. it is an example of like how this is affecting the church. Like I don't think that church is the only one out there saying these things. And I think as we go forward, like there will be more and more churches going that way because they want to appease the culture. And that's kind of, and like, I think if you went to this church, they would still talk to you about the love of God and probably even about Jesus. But it's kind of one of those examples of it's like, okay, you need to know more to have a functioning boat than just that it doesn't have holes in it. And it's like, you need to have more to have real Christianity than just believing that God loves people. Like, God loving people, that's not Christianity. That's like, you know, that's like saying the thing about the boat you know it's like you need you need more than that so let's uh let's change the analogy here to something that one of us can talk about so grant let's talk about making bread instead so um can we make it cake because i'm like not the best i don't make a lot of bread but i make i've made a lot of cakes you know all right fine some sort of some sort of thing that you bake Um, welcome to unsolicited baking opinions with grant i'm your host grant (laughs) prepare to get blasted um i could the, talk about. the the people i'm worried about with this issue are not people outside the church the reason i think this is uh something we should pay attention to and uh hopefully you know ref- you know patch the holes in our own cake so it floats is because we we start out with our uh, i guess our christian walk if we're going to use another yet another term that's overused but we learn we learn facts about God. You know, you learn like God's loving. You learn facts about the Bible, um, and ideally, what's supposed to happen is similar to when you're baking. So first, when you learn how to make like a cake, for example, you start out by knowing I'm supposed to mix these together. This is how the cake comes out. But like someone like you, you know a lot more about the science behind the cake. So then you start to learn, like, if I want the cake to be more like this, I can change the ingredients in this way. Like, this is why the temperature of the, you know, the eggs or the butter have to be room temperature. And you can reason from the starting point to the end point. And that's something we need in our faith as well. We can't, we can't spend our, our whole, um, our whole life working just piling up facts about theology but we actually have to have like a baseline understanding of the bible so that when we hear claims about the bible or about god like facts that aren't true we know how to reason through and discern whether they're true or not because if all all you rely on is people to tell you hey the the bible uh is inerrant um, then as soon as someone tells you, oh, no, it actually is errant, it's, it's just man-made, how are you supposed to work through that? Because if, if, you've never, uh, if you've never learned to understand the process and, you know, taken off the training wheels, then, you know, how are you going to float this boat without the <clears throat> training wheels to the, the cake? Or, you know. Or just... I like the cake analogy because, you know, this I might not make would. sense to many people, but you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of people who say, oh, I want to make this cake, but, you know, that's a lot of sugar. I'm going to I'm gonna replace three quarters of the sugar with applesauce and, like, and, and I'll replace the rest with a mashed banana. And, like, it'll be fine because the internet says you can do that. And, then, and like, I'm going to replace the butter in this cake with, a, you know, a healthier sunflower seed oil or something and then they make the cake and it comes out gross and they're like this is a terrible recipe well that's you know i feel like that's similar to people who are like 
I want God to, you know, you know, like, I think it would be great if God didn't send anyone to hell. So I'm, you know, I want that to be the conclusion. So I'm gonna just like, shoehorn every, you know, everything I've learned from the Bible and whatever verses I come across. I'm gonna like, just block anything out that doesn't support that conclusion, because this is what I believe. Like, do you see the comparison I'm making here based on your explanation of it's like you have to understand, you know, it's you can't start with what you want God to be like, I guess. And you can't start with like what theological, yeah, (laughs) what theological conclusions you want to end up with. You have to go from like the starting point for what we know about God is the Bible. And this is to kind of go into another analogy here we're all about analogies i, I don't think we can, have i don't think you can teach something very well if you don't use any analogies like they're they're people love them so <laughs> one analogy that i've used when teaching um at camp is like i remember one time i was the camp speaker and we we're doing an art theme and so up on the stage with me i had a a painting of van gogh's sunflowers you know that famous painting And I asked the kids, like, okay, so this is a painting by Van Gogh. It's called Sunflowers. Tell me, like, what do you know about Van Gogh from this painting? And it's like, you can make a few guesses, I guess. Like, you could guess, like, what some of his favorite colors were, maybe. But really, like, you can't really learn anything about Van Gogh from looking at one of his paintings, or at least not much. Like, if you wanted to know about Van Gogh, you would have to read a biography, or even better, would be an autobiography where he tells you himself what he's like. And the same is true of God. You know, we can't, I I don't think we can know anything about God just from sitting and like thinking and like imagining what we want God to be like. Mm -hmm. We can maybe learn a very little bit from looking at the world around us, but like not much. Like if you want to know anything about God, for sure, it would have to be God telling us who he is. And so that's why, you know, like all that analogy is to kind of set up, like that's why we have to go to the Bible to learn about who God is. Like it's not, the Bible, like, we don't just cling to it because it's, like, it's tradition, you know? We've done that for thousands of years. It's because, like, it's the only way to to have truths about God that make sense is to have them from a source. Like, the Bible at least claims to be the Word of God. Like, whether it is or not, that's a separate subject, but, I mean, it is. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> we're not debating the truth of it. What we're saying is, like, the Bible claims to be God telling us who he is, so it's like that makes sense to use as the basis for God's character. Right. And the problem we run into, I've been using that phrase a lot. Um, <laughs> the difficulty <laughs> with learning the Bible is that there's a lot there. And, you know, how do you teach that to kids? How do you get them to understand it? And it's like how you teach them anything. How do you teach your your five-year-old about what rain is where it comes from well you have to start with simple things and then paint a picture and then you know as they're able to understand more you give them more but and then you know before you know it you got the the water cycle or or there's some song that tori sings sometimes <clears throat> about condensation precipitation and i can never remember it but um like the point is at you have to start with like just like as a kid you have to just tell them about facts about who god is because they probably can't understand a lot. And so like that has to be there. Like when I'm learning medicine before I learn like the mechanism of a drug and like why it does what it does first, I just have to like remember it and like 
know how to pronounce the name and like what it does and what you treat it for and then you start to learn the nuances of it and it's like that's how you learn anything but we have i think an extraordinary amount of christians who are growing up and they're not they're not learning the nuances and they're not learning the 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 historical basis of the things we understand about god and basically not being familiar enough with the bible to be able to um understand what supports the truths that they do believe and maybe maybe the best place to go now because i think we've made a you know a pretty solid case of like what uh, where we need to be and why it's important. But how does how does someone develop a better understanding of the Bible other than um, just read it, you know? Yeah, I mean, reading it is important, you know? <laughs> I, and, like, it sounds silly. Put it under silly, your pillow it's at like, night, you know? Uh, it sounds silly, but it's like, how many, you know, youth group kids have you dealt with in the past? So it's like, they have all these ideas about God, but, like, have they ever actually read their Bible? No. Like, I think that's... That's pretty common, and, you know, youth group kids grow up to be adults who have hardly read their Bible. Yeah. So, so it's like, that's important, but also, you're right that, you know, if you just, if you just open your Bible and you open it to, like, First Chronicles and you start reading, it's like, you, you might have a hard time kind of working out what does this have to do with, you know, what does this list of kings have to do with God and, like, Jesus and anything to do with us. Mm-hmm. But it does have. You're, you're, still, you're still waiting for me to answer, huh? Yeah, I was hoping you were gonna keep going. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you could start with like, I mean, I think you are right that it's the same as you know. How do you learn anything? Where you have to start with kind of some basic categories. Like your your example made me think of when I was studying education, and like we spent a lot of time talking about how do you teach kids to read. And you have to start, well, actually, you start with, what you start with is print awareness. So any any uh, any moms out there, like new moms, I'm about to tell you how to make your kids smart, and I'm an expert, so listen to me. Um, but what they taught us was the two most, like, important factors in setting up your child to have reading success or something it might have been something a little more nuanced than that but basically if you want your kid to hopefully be better at reading the best things you can do are like read to them as much as possible and like expose them to print like make sure they they understand like what a book is make sure they understand that you read left to right and like these things are called words and these littler parts are called letters like it sounds very it sounds kind of silly honestly to put it that way just to be you know to be like showing your one-year-old like look this is a word and like showing them look i'm reading left to right but it's like that is really how you start a kid out reading Mm -hmm. and so bringing that analogy reeling it back in here it's like with the Bible, you know, you have to start with some basic categories of like, what are these different books? And like, what is, you know, when, what order did they come in? What you are know, these what little is... numbers on the page? I mean, yeah, you, you need, kind of going a little bit beyond <laughs> just like, what's a chapter? What's a verse? What's a testament? <laughs> like even, you know, a little beyond that, maybe you're like a youth group kid and you, you don't really know, you know, what's, what's the difference between judges and like micah you know 
other than the fact that they're different books and one is longer than the other like what they're they're very different so like what's the difference is you know you need to learn what are the different parts of the bible what is you know why is the bible this big like why is it this collection of 66 books and like why are some of them stories and some of them aren't you know it's things like that that you need to have categories for yeah yeah, I agree. That's a that is like a good place to start. And um, like when I'm learning stuff for for school, I'm constantly thinking about how they how I wish they would present it. Where I think the best way to start on a subject is to cover a a very broad view and then slowly get more narrow. Where uh, in a lot of lectures, we'll have it where they talk about a very narrow mechanism and then they zoom out and they say, "Oh, and this is where it is in the big picture." And um, Similarly with the Bible, I think it's probably easier to start by understanding, okay, here's, you know, we have an Old Testament and New Testament. What what does that mean? And then understand, you know, in the New Testament, we have these gospel accounts, and then we have like letters to the churches, and we have revelation, and understand what those mean. And then you can start to get into more of like, well, these books were written by these people, and they're generally about this. And then working broadly to narrowly tends to be easier than starting just like all right we're gonna start with the book of matthew and we're just gonna like kill it we're just gonna like go non-stop and um that's that's kind of just like more strategy than anything but um one important step in understanding the bible better and developing a more systematic theology i think is primarily you have to understand why it's important so that you actually want to do it because if you don't have a desire to learn it um you're just not going to and I, I don't know how you entirely uh, would stoke yourself to understand that it's important, but I think some of it comes from just thinking and uh, considering who God is and, you know, what role it, uh, what role he has in your life. And so lately I've been thinking, or it just struck me the other day that um, I try to read my Bible um, pretty much every day and some days I, I don't. And then I was thinking later one night, like, you know, if I really think this is the word of God and like, like the God of the universe wrote this book for us, I should want to read it more. And like, I know, you know, there's sin and then there's like different things and it's not necessarily like wrong to not read it every day or anything like that. But I think the desire to understand it and the, the belief that these things are important is the first step because you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to learn why understanding, or uh, I misspoke, why knowing why God is loving and how we can know that is important. Um, whoa, whoa, I need to start over. You're not, you're not going to be able to understand why understanding why God is love and how we can know that is important until you actually have the desire to have that understanding because you know it just doesn't matter to you it's like I don't need to know um well I'm too curious so I gotta pick something that I don't care about I don't know I don't need to know why um I'm looking around the room I got nothing I don't know (laughs) I'm gonna have to patch this up (laughs) Give me a second. I can do this. <laughs> do you want me to talk or do you want to fix this? No, I can do this. Um, trying to. I'm just trying to think of something I don't care about. <laughs> okay, okay, I got it. Like I file taxes every year, 
but I'm not going to invest any amount of time in understanding, you know, the nuances of tax law because I don't care about it. So like the fact that I'm like, well, I can live my life without knowing that and it won't affect me that much. That's why I don't learn it. But if, if all of a sudden I felt like this strong impulse, like even though, you know, I don't work in that field, like I should really understand these nuances because then it'll like it'll impact my life. Then I would probably go and learn it because I'd be genuinely curious and I'd want to know. And I think we need a lot of people maybe need to move a little bit further along that line. And that would be a good first step. Yeah, I've actually kind of had the same thing lately of just like the realization of like, huh, you know, I should like not even just like I should read my Bible more, but more like this kind of like realization, like if this is the word of God, like I need that like all the time, like. I think for for me, a lot of it has come just from being sort of humbled. You know, I think I can tend to gravitate to the attitude of like, I pretty much know the Bible, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like there might be a few details in there. I don't know. But like on the whole, like I know it. But it's like, even if that were the case and it's not, uh, if the Bible is the word of God, he uses it to continually reveal things about himself. But kind of just like you said, it's like if God is infinite and like so glorious and big and like all these things that means there there's always more to learn about god like there's always more of him to know it like it sounds so cliche but like it really is true and so like i think as you come to realize that and as you come to be humbled more not even just about your the extent of your knowledge about god but also of like your sin and the fact that you you know you need jesus like the more you recognize that need i think the more that translates into a desire to read the bible so yeah i've definitely had more lately of like this realization of like the bible isn't just you know this thing that i read and then i'm like okay i know the bible like i know it in the same way that if you write a book, you're like, oh, I read that book, like, I know it, and then you don't ever read it again. Like, it's different from that. It's it's something that you really do need daily, and even just the fact that, you know, we're humans and we're sinful, and part of that sin is, like, we naturally just, like, forget about who God is if we're not continually, like, getting the reminders of him from the Bible. Yeah, and on... I think the remedy for that is to be constantly meditating on the gospel and thinking about what God has done and why that's significant to you. And I think when you're aware of your sin and your shortcoming from, you know, the perfect standard of holiness, you're more apt to be thinking about that. And I think understanding the the grace that we have is a good motivator for wanting to understand and know God more and be able to understand his word. And um, I think it's hard to, you know, motivate yourself for a lot of things. And um, but if we don't think that the truth about God is important, that's, you know, that's a hard thing. And that's that's like that's not good. Um, we should want to understand the Bible more. And it's easy to get, you know, lazy about it. But um, this is this is one of those issues where I I feel weird talking about it because it's something that, you know, I do struggle with, but something that more so I'm worried about other people that I see and wanting that, uh, wanting them to learn and grow. And, uh, I don't know how to phrase it in a way that 
doesn't at all come across as maybe being judgmental, but I think I do genuinely have a desire where I want people to understand like why it's important so they can have the like the full understanding uh well you know not the full because no one's really you know like an expert on the bible no one understands god fully because you know there's just too much to know but to have the the satisfaction and uh the joy that comes with understanding scripture more and being able to reason out these things and and use that to uh, live your life and uh, have discernment because ultimately understanding who God is and understanding his word gives you discernment and uh, wisdom so that you can navigate issues in life and know how to act and sure self-control in making those decisions is you know another thing but um, you, you can't just reason out these things you you have to understand um, understand what God has told us to be able to have that in your life yeah and like I feel like an analogy you could use. Welcome to the analogy hour. We're your host. Yeah, Alec what's it going to be this time? Um, it's like going to do an animal or something. <laughs> no. Okay, coming up with a different one now. No. Um, if someone told you, you know, this relative of your, like this distant relative of yours, has died and they've left you this this inheritance, and you were just like, oh, cool, sounds nice. And, like, maybe you were a little happier just to know, like, you have this inheritance, but you were never really looked into it. It's like you you could be missing out on a lot. You know, you should hopefully want to investigate, like, what is this inheritance? And maybe you find out, like, it's this really big inheritance. Like, it's a lot of money. Then, like, your next thing you should be trying to figure out is, oh, okay, like, how do I tap into this? Like, how do I get this inheritance and, like, you know, make a deposit or whatever? Again, not a perfect analogy, but... I like my comparison there is if you are professing Christian, what that should mean is that you believe, you know, your sins have been forgiven by Jesus and you've been given his righteousness and to just leave it at that and like never really think about it, look into it more like that would be as foolish as someone just ignoring the announcement that like someone has left a lot of money to you and like like what i'm saying is you know christianity is not meant to just be you know the classic phrase is a get out of hell free card like it's it's not that and if you're treating it like that even to the degree that you're just like oh yeah i love jesus i guess and like but like you're never reading your bible like you're being foolish because you're you're ignoring something that should be life-changing and should you know that's like a really really great thing and you're just like not looking into it Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and that that example you gave could definitely be at the beginning of a sermon uh at our church where yeah it would be fleshed out a little more i think like it'd be a full you know i was trying to make it brief there but yeah it could be a full full story with names and everything if you want it to be Back when I worked at Creekside and I had to read uh, that book, what is it? I think it's called Christ-Centered Preaching by Brian Chappell. Chappell. I think it's Chapel. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Chapel is a great, great guy. I, I trust his work, but I didn't like the book. And the, uh, the reason I didn't like the book is because it pointed out to me so many things that I don't like about a lot, of, a lot of sermons today where there's a difference. It turns out there's a difference between preaching and teaching. And, and, and this is this is kind of aside from the topic of the podcast. But fun fact, here's how you can tell the difference between 
preaching and teaching. Preaching's main goal is to get a response and to kind of uh, motivate you or tell you something that you should be doing. And that's not is it not, not to say it's wrong. <laughs> not to yeah, say it's like wrong. That's... What's that? But not to say it's wrong. That uh, like okay. preaching isn't bad. It's just like that's what preaching is. Whereas teaching is to. Uh, you know, it's like what it sounds to get you to understand something, not necessarily prompt action. That's how that's kind of how he defined it in the book. Why did you say is it, though? Well, because does that mean that a sermon encapsulates both preaching and teaching? Yeah, I believe so. OK, I thought like that, you know, I cut you off like I didn't listen to the whole thing, obviously, <laughs> but I thought what you were going to say, like what the implications of that was that a sermon is meant to elicit a response like that's the goal of a sermon and it's like no that's not that's not the only or the main goal of a sermon i would say right right and and you see that's that's where it's like we're just putting names to things that happen not so much like you know pastors should be giving this kind of sermon but um the point of that is to say uh i think it's not good to only have preaching but you need teaching as well because uh back to the example of medicine um one of the distinctions between different levels of providers like pas versus uh doctors is that the education is different so a lot of education for pas and if anyone's a pa and they get ultra triggered by this sorry i don't i don't understand entirely what goes on but as i understand it they get a lot of teaching of what we call algorithms in medicine so it's not math it's like this is how you approach a certain clinical problem and how you treat it so um like you might get told if you see these signs and this is this is a, an extreme reduction of it but you might get a situation like if you see these signs prescribe this drug whereas in uh uh like a, a medical education for a doctor you'd get a lot more of if you see these signs those are indications of this and this is what's happening on a cellular cellular level and this is why the bacteria does this so therefore you can try you know this drug and if that doesn't work you can do this one and so it's a, a deeper level of understanding and that understanding drives those decisions rather than learning what decision to make based on what you see so um in case that analogy is not like clear cut, I think it is good to have preaching in the sense that it motivates us to, uh, to be spurred on by God's word. And in some cases we do need to be told what to do if we're, if our hearts are not in the right place or, you know, we're being uh, lazy or not listening, but teaching is just as important because, you know, six days out of the week, you're on your own and you're going to need to understand how to navigate the issues of life in a Christ-like way if that's what you truly desire to do. Um, that's my soapbox that I was yeah, sitting I mean, on. I wasn't standing because I was pretty calm, so I was sitting on that soapbox. Yeah. Well, and maybe you already kind of like said this in that, but just to put it like more explicitly. It's yeah, like, I wouldn't have listened I'd... either, so. Yeah. <laughs> shut up <laughs> like i tuned out you probably said this but you know whatever i mean what i maybe. mean is like maybe you ha kind of like had this point to put to put it more explicitly you can't have really a call to action that's divorced from teaching like that should lead to that call like you could have that but it won't be as effective or at least it won't be as it won't make sense what i'm saying is you can't like just give people a list of things to do in a sermon unless you first told them like why, you know, it's like all the, your preaching should be driven by your, you know, your teaching of who God is. And like, that's why 
it should matter. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't listening, so it probably made sense. But... Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. Um, so before we before we go too long on this, I think we should talk about what are practical steps people can take to develop a more systematic theology, and you know, just an understanding of who God is, what the Bible says, that goes from uh, from evidence to conclusion. Yeah, well, one thing that we touched on that I think is important is kind of getting an understanding of the big picture of the Bible and then uh, broken down a little more, kind of like the big picture of the different parts of the Bible, the different, you know, sections, the different books. Um, I think that's really important because you said earlier something to the effect of uh, it's really hard to make sense of the details unless you have that bigger picture. Uh, I think that's true, and I think it's also true that as you learn more about, like, the big picture, like, the details make more sense, and then as you learn more about those details, like, the big picture makes more sense, like, they continuously feed into each other the more you learn about them, but I I kind of feel like it is important to start with the big picture of the Bible, and, like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of has to be your starting point before any of the details are gonna start to come alive. Right. Assuming that, you know, a person already understands uh, the gospel message, because that's kind of a prerequisite yeah. as well to understanding the the whole picture of the yeah. of the Bible. Well, um, the big picture of the Bible is the gospel, but uh, right, exactly. know, we don't exactly. need to go into detail about that now. <laughs> I'm just assuming no one would listen to this podcast and be interested in understanding the Bible if they weren't already saved and understood the gospel. Yeah, they um, would I not have made enough. it this far. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think all our I don't know how of the days are pretty part. riveting. <laughs> What'd you say? I said the flavor of the day is pretty riveting. That's true. There's probably a good group of people who just listen to that, and then they're like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> I just, you bought, I you bought an hour of my time. It's honey barbecue. If anyone was asking, is it a soup, a sandwich, an ice cream? You decide. Honey barbecue soup. I don't know, maybe. Why is that weirder than honey barbecue ice cream? It's not. But <laughs> oh, okay. I guess you well, didn't say it, that. Maybe it is, because it's just like, what would that soup consist of, you know? I don't know. It's kind of like tortilla soup, chicken tortilla soup. Like, that's not really, you know, like, where did that come from? Am I right, folks? Am I right? What's the deal? <laughs> Anyways, uh, another, <laughs> back on subject, another <laughs> thing that I think is a helpful exercise for... Uh, for growing your understanding of the Bible is whenever you're making assertions about something in the bible or even just thinking about some something you know about god or uh something some truth you understand from the bible uh i've i've coined this term so this is this is my term just like the industry jokes those are mine i made that but you're allowed to use them i grant you permission uh you should try to triangulate that view in the bible which is find more than one verse ideally three because that's how you triangulate um two is probably fine but uh you got to triangulate that understanding you have from other places in the bible because you could easily open up uh you know let's take a very controversial one like you can open up james and you know it talks about faith without works being dead all right however you read that make sure you can find other places in the bible that it clearly states that because that'll help you determine whether or not you misunderstood that uh, because the bible's consistent internally and uh it's 
inerrant. So you're not going to find conflicting things. And that'll help you better understand what authors are saying. And it'll just give you a fuller understanding of, I want to say like the gospel morality, but that's not really what I mean by that. Like, like, why should you forgive? You should forgive because Paul says, you know, these things about you should forgive. You should forgive because um, God forgave you. You should forgive because Christ died for your sin. Like, you know, you understand like the themes of God's character by understanding how that character is shown in different areas of the Bible through what different authors are saying or through historical events like, you know, a lot of the Old Testament is historical accounts. So triangulate. Yeah, I like that. I like triangulation for verses because, yeah, you're right. It's like just having that one-off verse. It's not very, not very solid, not because any verses in the Bible are like errant, but because you have to have context. And if you can only find one verse that supports your view, eh, it's maybe, maybe not a good view. Yeah. And, you know, even Grammar Grant will admit that, like, grammar's hard and reading the Bible can be hard sometimes because it was written in, uh, well, I mean, multiple different languages, but it was written in a language other than English and translated to English in modern day so you could understand it. So sometimes it can be a little difficult to get what the meaning is. That doesn't mean it's unattainable. It just means it can be difficult. But there are ways to understand it. One of it is, I mean, you could learn Greek if you want to, or you can just learn how to um, make sure that the way you're reading it is correct. And I think like referencing other places in the Bible to make sure you understood the meaning is a good way to do that. Yeah, and on it's like, that is why we have pastors too, you know, like their job is to teach us those things. Like a lot of the, some of like the facts I've learned about, you know, oh, this, uh, this Greek term actually means this, or like, here's kind of some more context behind this parable Jesus told that like really mm -hmm. makes it make more sense. It's like, <clears throat> those are things I've heard from pastors who have like learned the Greek and studied it. And it's like, that's why we have them because yeah, every Christian can read their Bible and can understand it and should be doing that. But also like pastors do have a job to like really dive in and understand it more and teach that to us. And like, if you have a, you know, your pastor should be doing that basically. Yeah. yeah agreed. Um, I or, think... And I mean, not just your pastor too. Like, obviously you can seek out other like qualified pastors and theologians and like read their stuff too. Like, you know, that's how I've learned most of what I know about Christianity is not just from church, but like from other, you know, podcasts and theologians and pastors that I really respect and have, <clears throat> excuse me, I really respect and have listened to a lot. Yeah, modern day theologians or, or alternate, what did the guy say he was? Alternative theologians? Yeah, I don't think it was that term, but like it was some weird term like that. No, I remember now. It just came to me. It was a deconstructionist theologian because oh. his whole thing was I'm going to help you deconstruct, you know, the Christianity you grew up with that is like full of all these outdated ideas or whatever. Like his whole thing was about, Oh, we're deconstructing that. And then, you know, I guess I would assume that you then construct your own, you know, religion, you know, because yeah. building your own religion always works out really well. So, and you know, one thing God's always been concerned with is like staying up with the times because, yeah, and also like, getting outdated. Like, God really likes when you have, you know, your own unique <laughs> take on who he is. And yeah, it's, it's really great if no one's ever thought of it before. <laughs>
Oh yeah, yeah. New new ideas in Christianity are what keep it fresh. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, the, the my thing other I always tip. Think of with that, oh, no, you don't ahead. have to include this if you don't want to. But the thing I always think of with that is, uh, like, there's the. Do you know that hymn that's like, uh, you know, it's something about like meeting Jesus in the garden, and it has that line that's like, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and the joy and that we share as we carry there, none other has ever known. Like, you oh know yeah, Michael Horton about. loves to bash. Yeah, that. he loves to mess. He loves to go like, and the joy that we share as we tarry there, no other in the history of theology or Christianity, no one else has ever known it. <laughs> and it's like, what do you think about it? It's like, you're like, yeah, you're right. It is kind of like, really, no one else has ever loved Jesus like you have. Yeah, it's a bit. Silly. I don't think it's a malicious hymn though. It's, but I think it's funny that he pulls it apart like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, my other tip. I think this is my only other tip that I want to give for how to develop a fuller working understanding of Scripture is to. Uh, this this kind of goes back to understanding the bigger picture before you understand the details so that the details uh, make sense and you can put them together uh, is to look into what the what the the main themes, what the context of a of a book of the Bible are before you start reading it. So I like to use on YouTube the Bible project Um I I know that I think there's like one or two controversial things, but I haven't. I think they're a good resource. I haven't found anything that I object to at all. Um, but they do these great illustrated. Uh, well, it's kind of like cheap illustration, but they'll they'll do like some sort of illustrated explanation of the main themes of what a book of the Bible is about. And so, if you understand that, and you you, you know you watch this nine minute video, then when you read the book, you'll be able to say, oh yeah, I I remember when. Uh, like they mentioned this was a theme, this is where he's talking about it. And uh, because some sometimes the Bible is a little bit hard to understand and it's a little obscure. And it's the same thing as, you know, if you read a book for school and you're like, I didn't entirely understand that, you go and you read the spark notes and it's like, oh, that's what they were talking about. And <laughs> yeah, you know, your teachers a- always tell you like spark notes are not meant to replace the book, but like you can read them alongside it. At least that's yeah. what my teachers told me. And like it's, they're totally right too. Right. It's like if you read the, read the spark notes and then read the book, like you're gonna have a pretty easier time understanding it. Yeah, and one thing I like to do for med school is I I think I mentioned way way back like oh no this was only like a year ago um, I mentioned that one of my one of my things that was working for me was sketchy medical which is uh, this this service where they they make these videos and the they, it's like a drawing that they gradually add to like a cartoon and the symbols and the different drawings give you ways to remember things about uh, microbiology pharmacology or pathology and so I like to uh, study and you know learn these things and then I'm like I have no idea how I'm gonna keep you know medulloblastoma from a glioblastoma from an oligodendroglioma how am I gonna separate these in my head and keep them straight and then I go and I watch the sketchy and it gives me like a way to help compartmentalize the information that I learned and so it's easier to retain it's easier to access and it's like that's that's uh, that's a good thing to do. That's a that's a good just like common grace thing. Like the Bible project is a good way to, uh, you know, 
make it so this information you're taking in gets put in the right places and you know you can have a better understanding and you know when when you're like 80 years old and you're john MacArthur and you've been preaching for like you know 40 years or whatever maybe you don't need that but in the meantime i think that's a great way to uh you know understand a whole book rather than just trying to get every meaning out of each verse by verse first so yeah i'm I tend to, like, slip into just, like, jumping into the book and reading it. But then, yeah, I'll be reading, you know, if it works, Obadiah it works. or something. And I'm like, wait, what is this about? Like, what's going on? So mm-hmm. I would definitely say that, some, you know, resources like that are very, very helpful. One thing that I'm doing it, right now is reading the Bible chronologically. Because, like, someone recommended it to me who, like, she... Like, she's been reading the Bible for years, but she's like, I read it chronologically, and, like, it just totally, like, like, I understood it so much better, and I'm only, like, up to, like, First Samuel right now, but, like, I'm starting to see what she means, because it's, like, going back and forth between First Samuel and the Psalms, so you're, like, reading the Psalms where they think, like, David wrote them, and you're like, oh, wow, like, I totally, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, that makes so much more sense why he wrote that now, mm-hmm. so I like it, and... I mean, that's not necessarily something that I'm recommending people do just because it's like it might not be everyone's thing. That's hard. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't maybe write psalms necessarily. I mean, I know, you know, if you're sad, you might feel the need to break out the old guitar, but maybe don't write (laughs) it down. You might regret it. Write it. Write a song, not a psalm. Maybe maybe you can write a song and spell it like P.S.O.N.G., but that's about as much (laughs) as I'll compromise on this. Yep. This has been the comedy hour. Anyways, um, yeah, do you have any uh, any other advice for anyone who, I mean, obviously, other than just try and read more and uh, listen to more things, because the more you expose yourself to something, the more you're going to remember and you're going to understand it. So, uh, but do you have anything else to add? Any other hot pro tips? Um, yeah, I don't know if I have any hot pro tips. I'd just say it's, you know, it's a, it's a gradual thing, and if you're like, man, I, I just don't know anything, Yeah. well, we all start there, you know? The yeah. only way to know something is to learn it. And that just was, remember, you <laughs> read... I'm, just, I'm shooting from the hip now, just trying to make catchy phrases, but right. it's not really working. What was the... What did I say before we were recording? Do you, remember, do you remember what I... I just, like, made up some phrase, and I don't know. It's not important, but uh, <laughs> I remember, read left to right top to bottom numbers or verses and chapters expose your your children early or they'll mm-hmm. be atheists Give them print awareness print awareness yep and whatever you do and then phonics comes next hooked on phonics remember when that was a thing only 90s kids will remember <laughs> yeah you know what i don't remember which like the reason it's weird to me is because when i was like studying education we spent so much time on it not just like learning it but then like in the classroom at least in like second grade and like especially second grade to some degree third grade first grade also like they spend a lot of active teaching time on phonics where you'll like go through letters with kids and be like let's practice the t sound you know and we're gonna make words with t in them and i don't Hmm. remember like learning things that way in school like I guess I don't really remember learning how to read almost at all. Don't you remember like, making those those 
stick puppets in kindergarten. I remember that, but like what I what will what I did when I was like, you know, student teaching or like shadowing teachers is like there would be a time of the day where all the kids get whiteboards and they go and sit down on the carpet and you have them like write a word and then like you you do what they call word work like that's their term for it but it's where you're like okay what happens to the word cat if we take the c out and put a b in it and then like okay so how would we make this sound like you know hat and like what you're doing there is you know trying to get kids more familiar with the sounds letters make and like getting them to understand like oh each letter has a sound and like I can manipulate words with sounds and like rearrange them, but I just don't remember like learning things that way. Sheer power. Yeah, I I don't either. I also remember like reading books in like first grade. So I'm like, did I just learn that kind of stuff young enough that like I don't remember it? I don't know. Hmm. Because like not lots of kids are reading full books in first grade. Mm -hmm. Some are, but not a lot. Agreed. In this day and age. Huh. Am I right? Yeah, kids with their, and on that note, their iPads. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the last segment. Um, the the reason why everyone listens to this podcast obviously is to uh-huh. hear the hilarious joke that we make with the letters D F Y, and then the flavor of the day, and then obviously everyone they want to know what we've been enjoying they want to know the things that are 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 bringing us joy that's another way to say the same thing and they want to know the things we like that's three in a row saying the same thing so grant what's been working for you lately i have like a couple like little like not that great things um one let's see yeah okay so i'm gonna say this one and like hopefully you'll understand why it's like this doesn't count as like that's been working for me (laughs) <laughs> I, this is what I we've discovered, come to expect of you, Grant. I discovered how to make. <laughs> I discovered how to make my perfect boiled egg. Okay. Oh my goodness. So tips for people out there: how to like read the Bible eggs. and how to make a boiled egg. Okay. Well, so have you ever had the problem of you're trying to make a hard boiled egg? And, like, you do it, and then when you get done, it's so hard to peel, you know? And, like, you have all these little shell bits that just stay on it. Yes. That is the worst. Versus when you get a boiled egg and you go to peel it and, like, it all just comes off so cleanly. Ah, uh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> well, I don't have, a f- I don't have like, a foolproof way to make that happen. But I think I've learned, like, a technique that works pretty well, which is that you do not start the eggs in cold water. You first get your pot of water boiling, and then once it's boiling, you lower your egg into it. And I usually use like a spoon or something so that you're not just like plopping it down because then it can break and burst and like that's gross. Um, Less than ideal. So you do that. I cook mine for like nine and a half minutes. And then at that point, like it's not like soft cooked and it's not like hard cooked. Like, the yolk is solid, but it's still kind of, like, not e- not even, like, wet, but it's, like, still kind of, like, moist almost. <laughs> well, this is the weirdest description of an egg I've ever heard. You know what? It's better. Because, like, the thing I don't like about boiled eggs is when the yolk just gets, like, so chalky. Like, I hate that. So, learned how to avoid that. Um, yeah, so (laughs) I don't want to say that's what's been working for me because it's so dumb. Um, 
The only other well, thing I could think of is that lately <laughs> I've been re-watching some of the Great British Baking Show on Netflix, and like, okay. it's, you know, Bakey Boys. It's nice because... Bakey it's, Boys. It's relaxing, but it's still entertaining. But then, honestly, for me, some of it is just nostalgia because it, like, brings me back to, like sophomore year of college and like junior year when i'd watch it a lot and just you know some fond memories <laughs> associated with it i guess so mm-hmm. that's that's why it's been appealing to me lately just like um, your hard-boiled eggs yep <laughs> i guess those have been appealing as well yeah the so crowd that was goes wild that laughter. was one of the worst what i've what's been working for me is that i've done in a while but that's okay. Maybe next time. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Yeah. What's been working for you? Alec? Well, Grant, I'm glad you asked. I have, uh, I have a few things. So, one thing that's really been working for me lately is now that we live in our new place. I mean that that in and of itself is a huge thing that's been working for me. We moved, and now we're in a duplex, and I am no longer in a closet to record this episode i am now in a room rip clothis this is uh that was stavisburg and then this is new stavis so we're moving up in the world at the very least oh yeah the yeah i know what you're talking about okay i thought you would new stavis that's its name well it's new stavisburg but we just call it new stavis okay gotcha gavin was pretty clear that that's what he wanted to say so um where does gavin like spend his time you know because i feel like this he was is, in your office a lot you know this is actually gavin's room okay yeah so tori and i have a room and then this is gavin's room he he is the he's the current president of new stavis and is that where uh, i'm gonna stay when i visit yeah you will we'll have to get you like a passport and stuff yeah i'll have to when should like is it too late to apply for my visa um it's hard to say or do i need a visa i guess i'm not staying long enough to need a visa never mind <laughs> i guess it's just not. a visit i just so got I a text like, that someone's gonna come pick me up soon i thought my thing was at 6 30 apparently they're coming to get me at six anyways so my other we're, we're gonna have to move along the thing that's working for me on this is we have a basement that is insanely full of cobwebs all up in the ceiling and one of my one of my friends from church he's in our small group he I was talking about cleaning it and he said, oh, you should just get like your vacuum and do it. And I was like, that's a great idea. So I bought a $30 like handheld vacuum on Amazon. And for $30, that thing is amazing. So I have been, I've, I've literally spent like two hours down there vacuuming cobwebs and I'm about halfway done with the basement ceiling. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just Luigi's mansion straight up. I was going to say, no wonder it reminded you of Luigi's mansion. Yeah. It, it super did. So yeah, that's really been working. And, um, you know, I would say that the other thing that's been working for me is my new routine is uh, when we go to bed, I, uh, I I will go to bed with Tori now because sometimes I like to stay up and do stuff. But I've, I've learned, you know, I think I think we all we all like when our, our spouse goes to bed at the same time as us am i right folks and so i will go to bed and then i will read uh i'll read manga for like an hour in bed and it started as like an accidental thing because i just kept (laughs) i just kept reading it and now i'm like this is my new routine so i've been reading one lately that i've enjoyed called dr stone which is i guess i guess this is a genre a sci-fi manga so um i don't know it's it's good 
It's very, it's very, very, uh, very sciencey. So there's my my bird clock. Yeah, I haven't been watching anime lately, so maybe I should try some manga. Yeah, I I really liked. I loved reading the Demon Slayer manga. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the Demon Slayer anime too, but yeah, it's a. it's good stuff. I would recommend um, recommend it. It's a good way to good way to wind down at night, you know. So that's what's that's what's been working for me. That's all I got. Nice. Well, speaking of winding down, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you right? honey barbecue. I'm right. Soup. Right? Anyways. Soup. Yep. So this has been another episode of uh, Despise for You. Thanks for tuning in. We in, we enjoy doing it, and we enjoy when you, you listener, are here to join us. Am I am I I'm up in your ears now? This is weird. We're gonna cut this out. We're not gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna redo that. That was too weird. <laughs> too personal. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode of Despise for Youth. Uh, We're glad you, you are a very special listener, could join us. And uh, I think, um, I think this is our 35th episode. Or maybe more. I don't know. I I was going to say, hooray, pop the party. I think it's like 36 or 37. Yeah. All right. Forget that. We won't know. We don't, we don't do math on this podcast or grammar, but uh, we do enjoy you being here, and we hope you'll tune into the next one, and uh, as we always say on this podcast, Grant, in the despise for you fashion, what stay do we say? Frosty. Yes, stay frosty, my, my dudes and dudettes. It took me this long to learn it, but I know it now. Man, this outro is terrible. Anyways, I, I don't know why I'm trying so hard. Anyways, thanks for listening. All right. Yeah, that was really bad. My goodness.